Hey everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. We're talking about the idea of gentleness. That's what we're, or we're talking about. We're talking about sowing gentleness. And we define gentleness, or really, you know, the scripture defines gentleness for us in this way. That it's strength under control based on an unshakable confidence in God. So it's understanding that we, though we are strong and though we can use our strength and our force, and even last week, if you were with us, we talked about even the small thing that we have, which is our tongue, that we can use our tongue and we can do a lot of damage if we're not careful. If it's not directed in the right way, we can do a lot of damage. And so gentleness is is strength that we have But that strength is under control. Why is it under control? It's under control because we have an unshakable confidence in our God. That's why it's under control. And, man, I'm telling you, this is something that I think is so important. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to this church in Philippi, wrote them this. And here's what he says in Philippians 4, 5. He says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. He says, man, every single person that you come across, everybody that has an encounter with you and an experience with you, that your gentle spirit should be known. Like you, there's something about you that doesn't, you know, overreact, you know, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't get overly angry, you know, doesn't get you know, extremely frustrated, doesn't, you know, throw a temper tantrum, you know, doesn't, you know, pout or whine about every little thing, you know, but he says, when people see you, they should see that this, that you have this, this gentleness, the strength that is under control, regardless of the experiences that you're having, regardless of the circumstances that you're walking through, that you can just have this gentle spirit, and that gentle spirit is known to all men. It's known to all men. Now, he goes on and says this. He says this. Um, gentleness is best demonstrated when you are. So he, he t- here's just some things when gentleness is best. Term- when you're under the gun, you know, you feel like you're feel like you're under pressure, you feel like you're, you know, you got the weight of the world uh, resting on you, you know, or, or when you're up against it, you know, gentleness is best demonstrated when you are under the gun or up against it or, or, or maybe when you perceive things as, as unfair, you know, and when life throws things at you that, you know, are unfair and that's just the way that life is, right? Life is just unfair. And so when you perceive things as unfair, gentleness is best demonstrated when, when that happens. And then also when you're dealing with unreasonable people, <laughs> when you're dealing with unreasonable people. Now, nobody, that's not anybody here. Everybody here is pretty reasonable. Um, but, you know, you have, you know, maybe this Thanksgiving you're reminded about how the, you're dealing with unreasonable people. I don't know. But that's when gentleness is, is best demonstrated, when you're under the gun, when you're up against it, when you perceive things as unfair, when you're dealing with unreasonable people. That's what happens. So when Paul, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to this church in Philippi, he's, he's feeling these things. in he, he, the church, more importantly, is feeling these things. They feel like they're under the gun, they're up against it, they're perceiving things as being unfair, and they're dealing with unreasonable people. 
un unreasonable people. As a matter of fact, he even addresses some people in the church in Philippi that were being unreasonable, that were in conflict with one another. And he says this, he tells them this in, in Philippians 4.2. He says, I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. So apparently there was some sort of conflict that was happening between Euodia and Syntyche. And they were not in harmony in the Lord. They were, they were at odds with one another. And it, and it was causing conflict within the church. It was causing division in the church. It was causing unrest in the, in the church family. And even though it was just maybe these two that were at odds with each other, the whole body, the whole church felt it. It was like one, Yodia was on one side of the argument and Syntyche was on the other side of, 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 the, of a debate and they just couldn't, they couldn't be in harmony. And, and Paul saying, I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. And in harmony, what he meant by that was he addressed that already in the letter. He says in Philippians 2, he says, what does it look like to live in harmony? In Philippians 2, 2, he says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And so this is what Paul meant by when he says, hey, Yodia, Syntyche, I want you to live in harmony with one another, in the body of Christ. So, so there's this major conflict. We don't really know what the issues were, but Paul is saying, listen, you're, you're off track of our purpose of why we exist as Jesus followers. You're getting off track of why you, you know, live as a, as a follower of Jesus in the purposes and the plans that God has for you and and specifically how all of us as individuals yo though we play a a part in this he says I don't want you to get off track he says I, I, I need you to be in harmony in other words I need you to have the same mind the same love united in spirit and intent on one purpose and that one purpose for Paul was always the same to reach people for Jesus, to help people come to a saving relationship with Jesus. That's what his one purpose was. And when we get off track on different things. Now, I don't, we, again, Paul doesn't go into the specifics of what they were at odds about. But I don't know, maybe, let, maybe we'll, some potential issues between Euodia and Syntyche I don't know, hypotheticals, I don't know, but maybe, maybe it was over some sort of public health safety policies. Maybe, maybe, I, we don't know, maybe there was like a pandemic happening then, and Euodia and Syntyche were, had different points of view as far as how public health safety policies need to play out. Euodia, you know, was like, I think we should wear a mask at all times, and Syntyche's going, masks don't do anything. They don't stop anything. Sound familiar? 
Maybe it was like over social distancing issues or, you know, I don't know, maybe how to, how, you know, how they, they could go about it in, in, in public and, and, and keep making sure that things were, you know, safe, and, but yet what was real and what wasn't real. Maybe that was a potential issue between Yodia and Syntyche and the Apostle Paul's going, hey, hey, ladies, they were ladies, ladies. They were. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just going off what the Bible's just giving me. Ladies, like live in harmony. It's not worth the the purpose. The one purpose is not worth arguing or debating over public health safety policies. I don't know. Maybe it was like some sort of economic challenges that they were facing. Maybe they felt the pressure. Of, of the economy and how to keep and stabilize or keep the economy going. And they had different points of view over that. I don't know. Maybe it was like over educational handlings, you know. And maybe they were like, well, we should just hybrid. Or may, no, we, should, we just need to be in their school full time. Or maybe we should just all be at online and all be at home. I, I don't know. Or maybe it was over social injustice points of view. Maybe those were the, the debates that they were having. They were t- talking, you know, trying to navigate through and they had different points of view and when it came to social injustices or or maybe it was a political preferences maybe that's what they were in debate about maybe they couldn't live in harmony because one person had this political preference and the other person had that political preference and Paul's going listen you need to be in harmony you need to have the same love You need to be united in spirit, and you need to have one purpose. So I don't don't know. Maybe these were some of the potential issues between Euodia and Syntyche. We don't really know what they were, but all we know is this, is that this, this was only distracting and getting in the way of them being known by all people as gentle. That whatever it was for them, here's what I'm certain it is for us and in the church today, is that these things have become so debated and heated and contentious that we're not really known right now, Christian Jesus follower. If you're not a Christian, this isn't for you. If you're not a Jesus follower, this isn't for you. You're not really known, Jesus follower, as being gentle and being seen as gentle by all people. Because we're in conflict over things that don't really matter when it comes to the purposes and the plan and the redemption story of Jesus. I'm pretty sure, I hope I got some amens online. I think people are commenting right now, amen, pastor. It's quiet in the room, just so you know, people online, it's quiet in the room. There we go. He said, so... He, this is what Paul, now, not only is Paul dealing with, here, you, you need to know this, not only is Paul dealing with these, this, this conflict and these tensions in the church in Philippi, but the, the book of Philippians is a prison letter. It's a, it, it's a prison epistle is what they call it. Meaning that when the apostle Paul is telling Yodia and Syntyche to live in harmony, to have the same love, the same mind, united in spirit, having one purpose. 
Paul is chained to a prison guard as he's writing this letter. Probably multiple prison guards. He's in prison, and this is not like the Holiday Inn prison. It's not even the Motel 6 prison. It is, it is a prison that no one wants to be in. It is, it is, it is a terrible, vile, disgusting agonizing and people would literally die in prison because of the surroundings and the environment in which they were at and this is what Paul is writing to them this is the experiences that Paul is having in this moment and so Paul is saying to them even in the midst of his prison even in the midst of that conflict that's happening within the church he's telling them let your gentle spirit be made known by all men. And that's oftentimes when we fly off the handle and we get angry and we get frustrated is because our circumstances and our experiences cause those things to rise up inside of us. It makes us want to not forgive it makes us want to get revenge. It makes us want to fly off the handle. It makes us want to quit on something. It just makes us want to just be done with life in general. And, and Paul's saying, hey, even in the midst of that, you need to let your gentle spirit be known to all people. Why? The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Paul is saying, hey, you know why? You should let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. The Lord is not far. As a matter of fact, Jeremiah 23, 23 says it this way. I am God who is near, declares the Lord, and not a God far off. He says, I am a God who is near, not a God who is far far off he says i want you to know here's why you should you shouldn't have a gentle spirit it's because he's with us he's near he's not far off he's not unattainable he's not unreachable he's in the vicinity of where we are the lord the god he's near that's why he told Joshua, remember the commandment in Joshua 1.9, you, you know this verse. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says, what do you have to be worried about? What do you have to be afraid of? What do you, why are you trembling when it comes to circumstances and situations in your life? Why are you dismayed? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You go. This is the, the story, the familiar story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He threw them in the fiery furnace. They said, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to conform to you. I'm not going to conform to this world. I'm not going to bow down to this world. He says, so you, whatever happens, whatever God wants to have happen is going to happen. And they lowered them down in this fiery furnace. And they looked down into the furnace. And what do they see? Were there not three men? Why do I see four? Why? Because the Lord was with them. The Lord is near. 
Lord is near. This has been true for all of my kids and even happened last night. Um, whenever uh, my kids realize that they need to go down the basement, they always ask me or Katie to go down with them. They, they ha- happens at a, at a young age. You know you've been a part of this before. Why? Because they're afraid to go down the dark basement. Will you go with me? Well, what will that do? I don't know. They don't even know. They don't even a- answer. All they know is that they'll just feel better. They'll, they just know that they're, I, I'm near. Dad is near. So when I'm with dad, I'm going to be okay. When I'm with dad, I'm not going to be afraid of the dark. When I'm with dad, even though, you know, he doesn't walk next to, side by side with me, he's just near, and I just know that I don't need to be afraid. He says, come on, what do you, you know, be strong, be courageous. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let this gentle spirit be made, be known by all men. Why? Because the Lord is near. Hebrews 13, 5 says this. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, for he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, here's what's interesting about this. You won't ever find, so he's talking about what what Jesus said. The Hebrew writer is talking about something that Jesus said. And I was trying to look it up and find it in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus said that. Do you know it's not recorded in any of those Gospels? It's not. It's not recorded in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John. None of those are ever recorded. This, this saying right here is not recorded. Why? Because Jesus said a lot of things, and they didn't record everything, but they knew, they knew based on or, you know, or, you know, oratory traditions and, and, and things that were passed down you know, from, from generation to generation, they knew that Jesus had a staple saying. It was so staple of what Jesus would say that they knew they didn't even have to write it down. Matthew did, said, I don't even need to write this down. Mark said, I don't even need to write this down. Luke says, I don't even need to write this down. John says, I don't even need to write this down because it's, it's just a staple Thing. You know how people have these staple sayings, you know, that people have these same things that they say over and over, you know, that some of these people, well, this must have been Jesus's because Jesus, this statement was passed down. They didn't even have to write it down to remember it because they knew he always said it. And what Jesus said to them always was, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So the Hebrew writer says this, so that, why? So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? You know why we should have a gentle spirit? Even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of disagreement and uncertainties, 
even in the midst of when you're surrounded by circumstances that you don't want to be in, even when, even in times where you feel like you're just being treated unfairly or you're dealing with unreasonable people. You know why we should have a gentle spirit? It's because the Lord is near and the Lord is near and, and he is our helper and we don't need to be afraid because what can anyone do to us? When God is for us, in other words, when God is with us, who can be against us? It, who can be against us? If God is for us, if God is with us, who can be against us? This is all throughout, this is all threaded through the scriptures that God, when God is with us, nothing can stop us and there's no reason, there's no reason to be afraid or dismayed. You, you know when you're in a loud room, remember this from the, these days when you used to be able to be in loud a loud room with lots of people? And you know, in, your, in, in, in these rooms, you know, with lots of people and there's lots of talking going on. Maybe it was a, maybe it was a, 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 a game or maybe it was a sport, sporting game. You know, you, you just, there's a play that happens and you just hear the roar of the crowd. Or maybe it was at a music concert, you know, and the concert's loud and, you know, you, it's just, you can't, and, and, and you know what happened when you try to talk to the person next to you, right? When you're trying to communicate, you know, you're in a loud room or you're at a concert or you're at a sporting event. What has to happen in order for you to be able to communicate with the person that's even next to you? What do you have to do? You have to draw them in, don't you? You have to pull them in so that you can, you can be heard and they can hear you. You know what I'm saying? You've been in this place where you just have to, you know, kind of get your, if you're listening, you just kind of got to get your ear close to their mouth so that they could communicate with what they want to communicate to you in this moment. And we live in a loud, distracting world. We live in a world where there is a roar of an adversary. There is a roar of a lion wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only way we're able to hear the voice of God is that when we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. To hear over the noise, you need to draw near to his voice. This is what he's telling us to do. When you can't hear based the, the voice of God, when you can't hear the voice of God, you need to know that he's near and he, you can draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. We have to come to that place where we understand that we live in this, this type of world full of distraction, lots of voice, Lots of white noise, lots of static. In order for us to hear God, we need to know. In order for us to keep a gentle spirit, we need to know that the Lord is near. And we need to draw near to him so that we can keep hearing from him. In the midst of a lot of noise. Paul tells them this. He says... I want you to know you need to have a gentle spirit. And that's sandwiched in between this verse and another verse we're going to get to in a second. He says this, hey, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Remember, he's writing to this church that is dealing with conflict. 
He's writing to this church that are at odds with one another. One preference over here, one point of view over here, one opinion over there. He's, he's writing to this church with that. And he's writing to them from a prison cell. And what he's saying to them is this, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, what the verse doesn't say is this, and here's where we sometimes get confused as Christians. What the verse doesn't say is this, rejoice always. Again, I will say rejoice. No, it doesn't say rejoice always. In other words, Paul's not saying that even when you're going through grief, or pain, or loss, or struggle, or addiction, or financial you know, strain, or health issues, that you always rejoice in that. You don't need to rejoice. You don't need to say, I'm going through a financial strain. Praise, praise that. Pra- praise be, be that. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying rejoice in that situation. Why? Because that means that we're putting our faith and we're putting our hope into that. We're putting our faith and our hope into that financial situation. So when our finances are good, our faith is high. But when our finances are bad, our faith is not good. When our health is good, our faith is strong. But when our health isn't good, our faith is weak. He says, you're not, that's putting your faith, that's leaning into those things. He says, don't, that's not what I'm telling you to do. He's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. That shifts the focus off of the financial thing, off of the relationship thing, off of the health issue, off of the addiction struggle, and it takes the focus off of that and onto who it belongs to, who deserves it, and that's the Lord. So he's saying, when you, when you, even though you go through things, you still can always rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're happy that this relationship thing isn't working. It doesn't mean that you, can be, you need to be happy about this financial struggle that you're going through or this health issue that you're going through or this pain that you're experiencing or this loss that you have. You don't have to be happy about that. But what we can always rejoice in is that we can always rejoice in the Lord. There's lots of reasons to rejoice in the Lord. There's, re, there's the, the fact that he paid our sin debt for us. That's a reason to rejoice in the Lord. The fact that he never leaves us. He never deserts us. He'll never forsake us. That's a reason to rejoice in the Lord. The fact that he gives us a new place and he's prepared a place for us that one day we're going to step into eternity and he's going to wipe away all of our tears. He's going to take away all of our pain and death is going to be defeated and ended once and for all. That's a reason to rejoice in the Lord. The fact that we have a high priest who sympathizes with our our weaknesses is a reason to rejoice 
in the Lord. The fact that God didn't just leave, Jesus didn't leave this earth, but he sent us a helper to come and dwell in us called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings our dead spirit back to life again and is a guide and a help for us as we navigate through this life. The fact that we can know that the pain that we go through in this life has far greater weight and glory when we step into eternity. The fact that his yoke is easy and his burden is light and we can learn from his gentleness is a reason to rejoice in the Lord. Come on everybody, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say rejoice. So whatever it is that you deal with, health, finances, relationships, addictions, loss, grief, temptation, you can know that there's a Lord who is near and you can rejoice in him always. You don't have to be happy about that circumstance. You don't have to be excited about that experience. You don't have to be, you know, pumped up, you know, and pretend like everything's okay when you're going through some struggles in your life. You don't have to put on a facade that not everything is okay. Stop, Christian, putting on a facade as if everything is okay all the time. You don't have to say it's not okay, but here's what we know. I'm not okay, but my God is okay. I'm not good, but my God is good, and I'm going to rejoice in him. That's who I'm going to rejoice. Again, I will say rejoice in the Lord. That, Paul would say, if you can get that, your gentle spirit is going to be known by everyone. Because your faith and your trust and your hope is not in that thing that determines whether your faith is high or your faith is low. That your trust and your faith is placed on Jesus and that is firm and that is solid and that is stable and whatever happens around me, I'm planted on a firm foundation and when the rains come and the wind comes and the storm comes I'm still gonna be standing and that's who we rejoice in we rejoice in the Lord always and your gentle spirit will be known on the other side of let your gentle spirit. So you have verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known by all men. The Lord is near. Verse 6, look what he says. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I wrote it this way, requests made to the Lord remove anxiety. Requests made to the Lord remove 
anxiety. In other words, Paul wrote it this way. Paul said it this way in verse 6. Requests made with adoration, which is prayer, asking, which is supplication, and, and appreciation, which is thankfulness. So this is what Paul is saying. He's saying these, this is the right kind of praying that we need to have. That our requests are made with adoration. In other words, God, you're in control. God, you're big. God, you're mighty. God, you're strong. God, you're able. That, that's where it ought to be. Hallowed God, hallowed be your name. That, that's, where, that's where it needs to begin with us. It, it's like that, that old saying, right? I, now I'm going to mess it up. It's like that old saying, like, don't tell God how big your problems are, right? You, remember, you know this, this, this old Christian saying, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is, right? That, that's, what, that's what adoration, you come re, with adoration. And with asking, that's, that is, that's, that's coming to him. God, give me, give me your daily bread. Give me this day your daily bread bread. It was Jesus in the, in the garden of Gethsemane saying, Lord, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Let Lord, I, I, I don't want to deal with this pain and this agony, this grief and this suffering. God, let, God, Father, 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 let this pass from me. This is asking God with a, with a zeal and, a, and an urgency. God, 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 I need you. Father, I need you. It's asking. It's, it's, it begins, though, with adoration. God, you're big. You're mighty. You're capable. You're strong. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can come up against you. And so, God, knowing that, I'm asking. Help. Help me. Help me. You know me better than I know me. God, help me. And appreciation. God, thank you. God, thank you for what you have already done. God, thank you for what you're going to do. God, thank you for, yeah, I, I, I miss what I lost, but I'm grateful for what I have. I hurt and I grieve and I and I and I I'm, I'm in pain over the the loss, but at the same time, God, I'm just so grateful that you've given me and blessed me with so much. And that, Paul says, will remove anxiety. It's allowing our prayers, our request of adoration and asking and appreciation to get ahead of it, to get ahead of it. So what he's saying is this, is that, and, and essentially anxiety, the, how it's defined is, is as if it, it separates us. It tears us apart. It pulls us away from trusting God. It, it pulls us away from putting our hope where our, in our faith, in our trust of where it belongs. It, it pulls, anxiety separates us. It tears us away from the purposes and the plans of God. That's what, how anxiety is defined. And what he's saying is this, he's saying, listen, don't let anxiety 
Don't let worry, don't let fear pull you away from the faith and the trust and the hope and the strength that you have in God. And if you allow anxiety to get ahead, you're not going to have a gentle spirit. You're not going to have a gentle spirit. You're going to get frustrated all the time. You're going to get angry all the time. You're going to fly off the handle all the time. You're not going to know how to deal with unreasonable people. You're not going to know how to cope with unfairness of life. If we let anxiety tear us apart, if we let it get ahead of us, we're in trouble. And so Paul's saying, here's the antidote. The antidote is, let, let, it, let prayer get ahead. Let your prayers get ahead. Let your prayers get a head start. Here, just like in any race, right? I don't care how fast you are. If I get a good head start, I'm probably going to win. If I get a good head start, I'm probably going to win. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you, to, instead of letting anxiety get ahead, I want you to let your prayer of adoration, of asking, and appreciating. I want that to get the head start. So instead of allowing your head and your heart to allow fear and worry and anxiety to rise up, you're going to get ahead of it with prayer. And your prayer is going to be a right prayer. Your prayer is going to be adoration, asking, and appreciation. And when that happens, anxiety, worry, fear, concern will lose out. Let your prayer get a head start so that anxiety is left in the dust. Do you see it? Comment yes if you're watching online. I hope you do. Let your prayer get a head start. Get your head space. Get your head space. God, you're bigger. You're bigger than my anxiety. God, you're bigger than my fear. God, I know that you're here and I know that you're near and that's going to give me a gentleness in my life God I'm asking though because I know that you're, you're still concerned and you know that I have concerns you know that I have concerns I have real legitimate concerns so I'm asking but I'm also appreciating what I do have Peter wrote it this way. You've seen this before. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There's other versions of the scripture that say casting all your, your worry or casting all of your concerns on him because he cares for you. And here's this Peter who... If you know, you know this. Peter was a fisherman, right? 
So Peter's writing this letter, and he's saying to the, the people that have all sorts of legitimate care and concerns and anxieties. I mean, these are people that he's writing to that may not live the next, to the next day. And this is legitimately the people that he's writing to. They have, they have legitimate issues and concerns. And Peter's writing this letter to them saying to this, saying to them, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And Peter probably is writing this and thinking about the days which, when he was a fisherman. And maybe he recalled the day that he was out fishing all night and he caught nothing. And he was throwing his net out into the water and pulling his net into the water and he caught nothing. All night long, all night long. I mean, this guy is a professional fisherman and, and some days he just wasn't getting it. Some days he just wasn't cutting it. Some days he just felt like he was up against it. Why? Because he, this was a way for him to provide for his family. And as he's getting ready to pull his net out of the water, Jesus comes along and says, hey, why don't you try casting it on the other side? And Peter's probably thinking to himself, don't you think I already thought of that, man? By the way, you're a carpenter and I'm a fisherman. What are you telling me what to do? And so he says, all right, I'll try it. He cast his net on the other side. And when he started pulling his net in, he started, it says that the scripture tells us that he had a great haul of fish so big that it was tearing his net. That's how much fish he had. And I believe it was in that moment or that story that Peter recalled when he's writing this to a people who needed, who had legitimate anxieties, legitimate fears, legitimate worries, saying, hey, hey, when you cast your anxiety or your fear like a fishing net out in the water, what you'll draw in, what you'll haul in are only things that you'll know that God cares about you when Peter was hauling in that big haul of, of fish when his net was breaking open Peter's going wow this Jesus who is near cares for me wow and all I had to do is just cast my net and when I pulled in he cares for me you see there is a concern exchange there is a concern cast and catch that we need to get you need to know this that when you cast your concerns on him what you'll draw in what you'll receive is knowing that there is a God the Lord who loves and cares for you it's an exchange here's a prayer that I want us to have. Again, last week you had a passcode prayer, PS1413. Anybody still have it? PS1413. That's Psalms 141.3. Somebody asked me, they're like, I, I thought it was 14, Psalm 14. Okay, Psalm 141.3. Here's another one. This is a concern, cast, and catch prayer. Okay? Here's how it goes. I cast on you what I'm concerned about. I catch that you are concerned about me. 
Lord Jesus knows and wants to hear your concerns. And you can cast that like a fishing net. But in the exchange, he wants you to know that you can bring in a haul of his love, of his goodness, of his grace, of his faithfulness, of his help, of his sympathy, of his care. You can catch that, but you have to cast out first. And you're going to catch that he legitimately loves you. So it is a concern, cast, and catch prayer. God, I cast on you my anxiety, my worry, my angst, my fear. And I'm going to catch. I'm going to haul in. And what you give me and what I receive, it's like a net that is going to break open of me realizing and you and I realizing that he is concerned for you. So when you're worried about that thing, whatever that thing is, the God of the universe is concerned for you personally. You are not forgotten. You are not set apart. He is not too far for you. He's near. So let your gentle spirit be known to all people. And rejoice in that Lord. And cast all your cares on him. Because he loves you. You, sir, you, ma'am, personally, personally. Father, we're just going to deposit. We're going to release like a net into the water our concerns, the things that we lose sleep over, the things that preoccupy our thought life, the things that we just distract us and pull our attention away for how good you are and how faithful you are to us. We're just going to release, release that to you. We're going to cast it. And when we do that, God, you tell us that we can catch or receive that you, the Lord, that you're concerned, that you love us, that you want to care for us personally, individually, because you're not a God who is far off. You're a God who is accessible 
and near. And God, we're going to draw near to you. And you're going to draw near to us. So in the midst of the noise and the static of this life, we can still hear your voice speaking. I pray that we're not distracted by, caught up in the things of this world. That we're of the same mind, same love, united in spirit, and intent on one purpose. And that is for people to see you in all of us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.